What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Falcons Final Whistle Podcast. I'm Scott Baer, alongside Tori McElhaney. Say hi, Tori. Hi. And Ashton Edmonds. Say hi, Ashton. Hey. And Falcons fans should be in a pretty good mood. We are. Uh, yes. Because the Atlanta Falcons put together, and I'm quoting Rashawn Evans here, our most complete game thus far. Yep. 28-14, uh, they, uh, they established firm control. They weathered a mid-game momentum shift, and won by multiple scores. I've mentioned this before. As someone who turns in a story right at the buzzer, all of these cardiac dramatic finishes make my life very difficult. <laughs> Today, it was pretty easy. Yeah. Pretty buttoned up. And yet, we still have so much to talk about. And yet, we still have so much to talk about in what was, I think, a really good win. They won in all phases, offense, defense, special teams. And we're going to get into... All that stuff. Um, most notably, quarterback Marcus Mariota, who was awesome mm. on the field and in the press conference room. Um, we're going to talk about how close to complete this game was, the run game efficiency, and takeaways, takeaways, takeaways on defense. They have 10 through 6 games. My goodness. Mm -hmm. um, all positive things. This is going to be a positivity podcast Wow! at this point. Uh, Tori, your, your overall thoughts and impressions after this one. Yeah, I think this, in terms of games that I feel like I've seen the Falcons play in the last three years that I've been covering this team, this has started to feel like, this team has started to feel like week in and week out that they are fun to watch. I've thoroughly enjoyed covering this team in a way that I haven't the last two years. And I feel as though, like, I, I'm sure people are like, oh, like, ooh, like, let's be all dramatic from the reporter girl. Like, I'm sure that's what you think. But truly, I've had more fun covering this team and the games of which we've seen even when they lose than I have in the last two years. And that's just the truth. That's just how I feel. Ashton, the Falcons are 3-3 three and three after this one. Um, having watched this team play the 49ers, but also progress throughout the course of the first six weeks, um, what are your takeaways about where the Falcons stand after this victory? Man, I the Falcons, I would say, um, played a, first they played a really great game, but I think you see you really see the belief in the Falcons players. Uh, Grady Jarrett mentioned that after the game, but um, I think you're starting to see that belief amongst each other, that um, chemistry and that camaraderie amongst each other. And um, I think, man, like today against the 49ers, man, like you said, they played – great in all three phases um, on offense, special teams, and defense. And um, just going into this game, you know, they knew it was going to be a tough matchup against the 49ers, but the defense stepped up major, um, only limit, limit, limiting, limited. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> um, limiting. Limiting them to just 14 points. Um, and, and, man, I mean, I think everybody played a great game. Um, definitely Marcus played a great game. And they had two key players that were out, you know, um, and Michael Walker and Ade Ogundeji. So um, everybody stepped up and did what they needed to do. And I think, man, going into this next game in week seven is going, going to be great for the Falcons. Here's the thing. I feel as though we're burying the lead here. Red Helmets came back today. Oh, oh. yes. Um, True. And Gorgeous I as they are. <laughs> will say, I will go on the record to say and challenge the Falcons to just stay wearing them. Just keep wearing them. I think so, too. I mean, they won't, but yeah. – I wish they would because they looked so good. I really – I mean, that's the best that I think the Falcons yeah. have looked in a while. 
I said what good. I said. Yep. <laughs> yeah, good, play good, feel good. It, it do better, <laughs> and 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 really, that's that's what this team has been doing, and they've been getting contributions. Ashton was talking about some 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 guys being out. Uh, Cordero Patterson, Damian Williams, still on injured reserve, and they're they're getting contributions from like Abdullah Anderson and Timmy yeah. Horn. It was funny because at one Caleb point, Huntley, yeah, you know? at one point I looked over to Scott and I said, "Look at who's in in terms of like this defense right now." It, they didn't have Casey Hayward. They didn't have AJ Terrell. Grady Jarrett was not on the field. Neither neither was Lorenzo Carter. It was literally like. Arnold Ebiketti, D'Angelo Malone, Timmy Horn, Abdullah Anderson, Darren Hall, Darren Hall, uh, D. Alford. Like it was guys who I swear ninety. Well, I say I'll give the I'll give the fan base more credit. Seventy percent of probably just the casual Falcons watchers could not name those guys just by looking out there. They they are getting help from a lot of different guys in a lot of different spots in their own careers. Yeah, and I think a guy who is, it's fair to say, a household name, Marcus Mariota, uh, was a major, major contributor here. Yep. To the tune of six rushes for 50 yards. That's 8.3, a clip, a rushing touchdown. Oh, and by the way, he threw his first incomplete pass with 10 minutes and 52 seconds left in the fourth quarter. (laughs) The man was 13 of 14. Uh, for 129 yards, two passing touchdowns, a paltry passer rating of 144.6. Tori, you wrote extensively about Marcus after the game um, in what is a must-watch press conference, by the way. Um, He was really good there. He was great on the field. Yeah, I would definitely recommend to everybody to go back and watch Marcus Mariota's press conference after the game because it was truly fascinating, and I'll sum it up kind of here but and it I also summed it up in writing form so definitely go and read that too <laughs> um but essentially it was really interesting because we were talking to Marcus actually during the middle of the week and he was talking about feeling more confident because when he knows this offense he feels confident in the scheme but also feeling confident as a veteran player in this league and how a lot of times it, early on when he was at Tennessee he didn't feel like he had a voice he didn't feel comfortable or confident in speaking up and it was something that he learned from Derek Carr and being his backup with the Raiders the last two years that he said now he feels comfortable and confident speaking up in meetings to coaches etc cetera, etc cetera. he said it's helped his relationship with Arthur Smith as the offensive play caller but I say all of that to say that this conversation of Marcus feeling confident and comfortable continued into this game and then into his post-game press conference because as we we were talking to him post game and he brought this up. He was like, you know, three years ago to the week, it was week six that I got benched when I was with Tennessee for Ryan Tannehill and talk about a poetic, almost like full circle moment. Not many guys get the opportunity to do what Marcus Mariota is doing and trying to prove that he is good enough to be a starting caliber quarterback in this league. It's a second chance for him with this organization after being benched and being a backup for the last two years. For Marcus to have that cognizant understanding of three years ago, this is the position that I was in, and this is now the position that I'm in now, and making the most of that opportunity. I mean, stats alone, but Arthur Smith even said after the game, he was like, this is a locker room that believes in Marcus Mariota, and that's not something that's going to – pop up on any stat sheet. All of this happened kind of in post game and I'm sitting there kind of just thinking about the story that this is. Of course, this is just one game. 
And of course, like people are going to be like, well, what about the four other games and the, the issues that you saw there? I understand that. But for this moment, for this specific player, I think this game meant a lot to him because of the overall context of what he was talking about. I think it's very fascinating. And I, I think it's something that should be noted because it's to me in terms of like being a storyteller, that story that almost like redemption arc of which he's working towards is fascinating. And that's something that he brought up unprompted yeah. in his press conference talking about the, the um, time that he got benched. And look, anybody who reads Bear Bale knows I've been pretty critical of his critical mistakes. Yeah. Putting the ball on the ground too much, finding the other team too often. But I, I think one thing that, that was brought up by Marcus and Arthur Smith as well, and it sounds like an excuse, but it's really not – is that he's getting back into the flow after two-plus seasons not playing very much at all, yeah. making cameo appearances and doing little things like knowing when to tuck and when mm -hmm. to run and getting more comfortable in the flow of being an offensive field general. And yeah. I think that we're starting to see those improvements. Obviously, he was, he was near perfect. Yeah today and uh, I thought he was really impressive it was interesting too I looked this up um so over the last two and a half years he has since being benched at Tennessee he's made 30 attempts passing attempts 30 wow that's how that's how much you've seen Marcus Mariota in the last two and a half years for him to come out and play in these first six games I think it, it goes without saying that there was going to be moments where rust is being knocked off and there was going to be moments of almost essentially like growing pains again you know you talk about growing pains that young players have growing pains getting back into the shape that you need to be in mentally physically all that stuff to be a starting quarterback in the NFL all of that we're actively seeing kind of transpire transpire in over the course of these first six games and I think it does from Arthur Smith to say what he did about look this is a guy who hasn't played in two years what he's doing is really important to our offensive operation. I think you now see the Falcons offense as a whole looking more like how Arthur Smith wants them to look. And a lot of that I do think is because you have Marcus Mariota in the pocket. Yeah. And he's so explosive running the football. Yes. Um, that dynamic, I think kind of really adds a level to what they're trying to do. Um, with their running game as a whole. So we've talked about Marcus Mariota, yep. his his effectiveness. I don't think there's any argument, even the most diehard 49ers fan can admit that San Francisco got beat in all three phases today. Mm -hmm. Full stop, period. We have been talking on this podcast um, for – multiple seasons about yes. about the Falcons playing a complete game. The uh, the elusive complete game that I remember Arthur Smith said at one point, like it's not as, as elusive of a concept as you may think it is. But the Falcons, I felt like the Falcons never really got there. All right. Well, Ashton, was this a truly complete game? It, no game is perfect. Right. right? Yeah. I, I, there's a difference, and I've written this. If you go back to last year, I, I wrote a whole story about there is a difference between being complete and perfect. Those two things are not synonymous with each other. They are different things. You can be complete and not be perfect. Like that's, I feel like I should say that. Mm -hmm. on, on the record here, everybody listen to me. Complete is <laughs> not equal perfect. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with that. Rashawn Evans even said there's room for improvement. 
um, with this Falcons team. Grady Jarrett said the same thing, but I do think they played, this is their first game of the season where they played a complete game, I would say, on offense, defense, and special teams. Um, everybody stepped up and did their job today. You know, it was really minimal mistakes made throughout the game, but, you know, they played an effective and efficient game throughout the whole, throughout all four quarters. And um, just finishing throughout all four quarters is something that the defense has been preaching, um, you know, all season. And I think we've seen that from the first quarter to the fourth quarter, the defense, you know, they play with the same intensity through all four quarters. I think a word that you brought up is efficient. That was something that Arthur Smith brought up. It's something that Marcus Mariota brought up. Jalen Hawkins, when I was talking to him in the locker room, he brought it up. The word efficient, like being efficient and making sure that they are doing what they need to do when they need to do it, executing at a level consistently through four quarters like that is being efficient and I think we did see efficiency with this team at a clip that maybe we haven't seen up until this point and I think it's a reason why you saw them be as productive as they were and in the moments where they obviously weren't as efficient and they were getting penalized and they were going backwards on offense or were making mistakes on assignments on defense you saw what happens when they don't play clean when these when this team plays clean, I think we have seen in those moments that they are fairly competitive with whoever that they're playing. It's when they kind of are getting in their own way that we see things kind of stumble or, or falter a little bit. So that efficiency word, efficiency, is I think very important for this operation, both defensively and offensively. And since we're talking about efficiency, um, the run game. Efficient again. This is now the fourth time in six attempts that the Falcons have been above 150 yards. Amazing. That's good. I would have never (laughs) thought that as someone who's been adjacent to, like, the Atlanta area and Falcons football for years. I I think I speak for a lot of Falcons fans in saying that I don't think anybody thought that the Falcons were ever going to have a run game that looked like this. Like and no, I, I agree, right? With that. Yeah. Like you're from Atlanta too. Like you know, you yeah, know this. I've been around. You've this. been around. Yeah. Like that. I I truly can't. It's been decade, a decade since I feel like the Falcons have established the run in the way that Arthur Smith wants this team to establish the run in the way they have through the first six games of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean five or four point nine yards a clip. They entered this game third in rushing offense. Yeah, and they're and they're and they're going to maintain that. I like how they run even when the whole world knows that they're going to run. And seeing Kyle Shanahan, who is widely respected and known for having an innovative, creative, doesn't matter who the running back is, effective run game. Yep. Arthur Smith's run game, run scheming, is on par with anybody. Mm -hmm. It's so well choreographed. You got no idea where the ball is going. They're selling one thing. They're doing something else. And then they find ways to get tough yards after contact. Plus, you have to defend the quarterback running too. I like how Arthur Smith said, I don't think he was talking about the run game specifically. I think he was talking about Marcus, but there's a lot to defend on every play. And that makes them more difficult to deal with. Um, But, you know, you... You look at this, 16 rushes for Caleb Huntley for 59, 15 rushes for Tyler for Tyler Algier with 51. Both of their top two running backs have been out for a while. Mm-hmm. How are these what are these young backs showing you, Ashton, that kind of really has has allowed them to stay efficient, stay effective even without their top two guys? Yeah, I think first off, I think nobody had no idea that Cordell Patterson or Damian Williams was going to be out 
um, and Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley was going to be leading the charge. Um, but these guys, I feel like these guys are just hungry. You know, they are ready for the moment. They're ready um, to, to lead. And, you know, I think they just believe in themselves. Um, and, and we see that we've been seeing that through the last four games. Um, Caleb Huntley, man, who was elevated from the practice squad, he, he talked about that belief in himself and, and just working in the offseason. And um, I think we're starting to see, I mean, we're starting to see the work that he's put in, you know, in, in these games. So it was interesting because Marcus was asked post-game about, like, replacing Cordero Patterson's production. And he made the comment that I thought was really well said. He was like, you know, because of the player that CP is and because of the way that we use him as a receiver, as a running back, just all over the field, that production was not going to be replicated by one singular person. It was going to be replicated by receivers and running backs. And I think the Falcons, for the most part, have done a really good job of kind of spreading out that idea of like spreading Cordero Patterson's production out. And I think that it really is, you're seeing Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley kind of go at this as a tandem. And let's be honest, like they run with the physicality that CP does. Like they are getting hit sometimes at the line of scrimmage, sometimes behind the line of scrimmage, and they're still getting two or three yards. Like the, these are really important physical runs. And it's, it, you go back to the word hunger. And I think they are just kind of like, I don't know, just like beating the run game hungry for those yards over and over again. And I think that's something that, you know, sometimes goes overlooked. It's like when they are breaking these tackles and getting, two or three yards on first or second down. That was something that I wrote about during the week. It's like they needed more of those. They needed more of the, against Tampa Bay. They were really struggling on first and second down to run the ball at that clip, which is not a huge clip. It's two or three yards, but it means a lot to your overall um, offensive production. And Arthur Smith said it's something that keeps this offense on track. And so being able to have two very physical runners that – can go out and get those two or three garbage yards. Like that is very, very important. It's something that it's been, they're fun. They're two fun young guys to watch run as someone who I love. I love defense and I love when someone runs over somebody else, seeing them kind of carry some guys on their back is really fun to watch. They, uh, the Falcons had 56 offensive plays. 40 of them were runs. This, this is, is this is yeah. the this is 1975. That's this crazy. Is, yeah. This is the identity of this team, though. 100%. Like we came into this season questioning what this offense was going to look like without Matt Ryan and without Julio Jones and without Calvin Ridley and all of these playmakers that we have kind of associated with Atlanta Falcons for the last few years. None of them are here. None of them are out there playing. So what was this offense going to look like? Well. Physica I think I said the other day, like physicality is their calling card and physicality is their identity. What's more physical than running the ball up the gut? Like, you know, and that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing them do. Yeah, and I, I think for their defensive identity, we've heard a lot of bend but don't break. Yep. If, you, if you look at their total defense, which is a yardage metric, uh, they're pretty, they're towards the bottom of the, of the league. As we've said time and time again, DNP's care is not about that. <laughs> um, the thing that I think they're good at, and Tori, you've mentioned this as well, but they're they're pretty tough in the red zone. Yep. Tougher than average in the red zone. Yep. And as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, they're taking the ball away. Mm -hmm. Ten times in six games, 
this is this is a team that that didn't have that luxury or advantage. Arthur Smith talked about it being a mindset. And coaches don't mind if you make a mistake being aggressive. Mm -hmm. And they are aggressive to the ball. They are aggressive trying to strip it. And Ashton, they 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 scored a touchdown yes. <laughs> today. Fun, scored fun a, times. <laughs> scored a touchdown. Had a couple picks. They're getting co contributions from it, from everybody. But you're but you're cutting three drives short, right? Mm -hmm. um, and turning it around, scoring in one. I mean, obviously, so impactful when you're taking the ball away that often. Yep, yep. And they had, they held the 49ers to just 50 yards rushing. Um, and I think you know if you go back, like. Well, like I said, um, two key players, Ade Okandeji and um, Michael Walker. Michael, Michael Walker. Walker, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, they were out. And Troy Anderson stepped up big. He led the team with 12 tackles, tying with Rashawn Evans. Um, you know, they needed him to step up big in this game because Michael Walker, of course, has been the most efficient defensive player this year. And um, what we saw from Troy Anderson today, man, it, it, it brings more depth to the linebacker core. And I think, you know, it just – it shows how how you know how much chemistry they have amongst each other. Um, Arnold Ebikati, man, he's been playing his tail off these last two games, and um, I think we're starting to see him grow in, in his consistency in the game. But um, I, I think the Falcons' defense, man, they're they're like they're super tight. They're like a brotherhood, and I think everybody's just on one accord. Like you see it from the defensive line all the way back to the secondary. Something that Scott, you were saying about. They're going to make mistakes, but they're going to do so aggressively. That was actually a quote from Dean Pease this past week during his uh, midweek availability where he was talking about Troy Anderson. And That's right. He was like, this is a guy who is going to make mistakes, but he's going to make it going like 100 miles an hour. He's going to be aggressive. And as a coach, you would rather that happen. You would rather someone have – Arthur Smith has said it all the time. I would rather pull someone back than have to push them forward. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing with this defense. They're really young, especially when you have guys that are going down like A.J. Terrell and Casey Hayward, like what we saw in that game. And then uh, Taquan Graham – he was uh, out for a, a few series with a knee injury, but came back in. You see some guys going down, Michael Walker, Audio Gandeji, and all of those guys are even young. You know, we're talking about guys who are still on their rookie deals. All, all of those guys that I just mentioned, outside of Casey Hayward, are all still on their rookie deal. This is a very young defense. They are going to have moments where they miss, they have miscues and they misstep and all those kinds of things. But if they're doing so aggressively, it's like at one point, the knowledge will catch up to the physicality, if that makes sense. Yeah, and if you look at the 49ers drive chart in the second half when it matters most, punt, punt, interception, turnover on downs, end of game. Mm -hmm. zero points in the second half they've been good later we've seen even against Tampa Bay they should have had the opportunity to give their offense a chance to yep. come back they've won three of the last four games now um, we, we're starting to see the type of progress here and just one last thing as we're kind of like wrapping this up I thought the win was impressive I thought the Falcons reaction to it was equal to that meaning that Nobody was like, this is a statement win. Oh, yeah. Of course, no. like people were celebrating. Yeah. Someone go watch the video S of Sally the offensive Bruce. line <laughs> having Bud Lights with, uh, with uh, Arthur Smith. Uh, but I think it was important because 
so many guys said, look, yeah, it's a bit of a confidence builder, but we didn't come here to win three games. Right. And we, and we, how can you be happy at three and three? And I, I think that that type of perspective, which is a word that Arthur Smith used, is that they're taking a proper perspective to these results, win or loss, and kind of applying it. That, that Jake Matthews said that they try to take a lesson from every game and then apply it to the future. Well, mm. I, I, I think that those lessons are being learned. They're being absorbed and they're being applied now are they going to play as well as they did here um in the future maybe not it's a week-to-week league we have no idea how they're going to play against cincinnati but i just like that they seem to have their heads on straight um despite playing so well here yeah i mean and i think that's something that arthur smith has talked about like even he's like sometimes the hardest things that you can do is like after a win to still be like critical of yourself because you feel good about the win but you also have to be real and be like, yeah, we made mistakes. And and I will say this, like, I know this podcast has been fairly positive, but like even sitting here now, it's like the Falcons can get better. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're sitting here like same exact thing. Like, Oh, they did so many great things. Yay. But like at, at the exact same time, it's like there are things that need to be cleaned up and there are moments that penalties are still biting this team in the butt. So for all of that, it, it's like this team is, you have to take a, what is it that Arthur Smith Smith always says? It's like critical. You have to be critical of yourself. You have to be objective. Objective. Yeah. He uses the word objective all the time. You have to be objective when you're looking at what you did. And I think that is something that the Falcons so far this year have been relatively good at. I think they've gone from week to week and in their preparation reset fairly well. Yeah. And it's all about finding consistency, consistency, with the outcome. It's no longer good enough to fight till the end, yep. right? Now, and and that was kind of ditched after week two. Like, great, we fight. Of course we do. But let's turn over these results. That's happening more often. Can it continue? They have a tough game against Cincinnati. And then in theory, things get a little bit easier after that. But I, I in think... In theory. <laughs> in theory. But I, I think this is an opportunity here for, for them to gain some some momentum and... I know it's week-to-week league. There's no such thing as momentum between weeks. But if they can continue to gain confidence, continue to progress, I think all that would be a positive for this unit as they move forward. I'm done talking. So is Tori and Ashton. And thanks to everyone for downloading, listening on the Atlanta Falcons Podcast Network. Please subscribe to that. The Falcons Final Whistle channel Mm -hmm. has been closed. We're merging everything together so you can get Falcons in Focus, Falcons Audible, and Falcons Final Whistle all in one convenient location. Also, Thank- go watch uh, Falcons in Focus with Caleb McGarry. You'll learn a lot about bears. Uh-huh. <laughs> and swords. <laughs> and swords. <laughs> and we have a good one coming up. It's Arnold Ebicady, who Woo! was fascinating. Please yeah. keep an eye out for that. And we will talk to you next week after the Falcons play the Bengals. <laughs>